see, see this. When you're worshiping and praising before God, God says, I will inhabit the praises of my people. He says, when you were singing that song, holy, 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 you are holy. He says, you're singing along with the chorus that's going on in the heavenly, even right now. He says, you can never, never, never get so complacent in your worship and praise. Because he says, I inhabit the praises of my people. When you're worshiping me and praising me, I am making the exchange with you. For your sorrows, I give you joy. For your chaos, I give you peace. For your loneliness, I give you companionship. He says, when you're worshiping me and you're waiting upon me, it says, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. What does he do? He fills them to the overflow. They that wait upon the Lord, he, he ministers to you in ways that you don't even know you need to be ministered to. When you wait upon the Lord, you're resting in all that he is and all that he has and all that he ever will be when you wait upon the Lord. When you wait upon the Lord. Just wait upon, waiting upon the Lord means you're just resting in his presence. You're not saying anything. You're not trying to figure anything out. You're just waiting on him. You're waiting on him. You're waiting on him. You're reverencing him. And you're just still before him. And like, Lord, I just want you. I want more and more and more of you. Fill me to overflow. Fill me with the fire, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with a desire. Fill me, Lord God. Fill me to overflow. And when you say that from your heart, God does exactly what it is you say. He fills you to overflow. He fills you with more of himself. He fills you with his joy. He fills you with his peace. He fills you to the overflow. Overflow means there's more, more more than enough. When does he do it? When you're waiting upon the Lord. 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 We wait upon the Lord. We wait upon the Lord. We wait upon the Lord. He says, I'm making exchange with you even right now. Why? Because you're waiting upon me and you're not taking my presence for granted. People in the old covenant, in the Old Testament, would have killed to be able to do what we can do freely. They had God upon them for special tasks. We have God in us. God Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's in us, not on us. He's in us. Christ, the hope of glory. Christ, the hope of glory. You got Holy Ghost, CIA, GPS, God positioning system on the inside of you. How are you up? <laughs> What's that about? I don't get it. You got the very source of joy on the inside of you. 
You, you want to just lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we just praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Lord, you're so good. You're so faithful. You're so true. You're so kind. And we wait on you, Lord. We rest in your peace. We rest in your presence. We rest in your joy. There is none like you. And there is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Glory to God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They should mount on wings as an eagle. They should run and not go where they should walk and faint not. For who? For those who await upon the Lord. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. Those who wait upon the Lord. Don't be in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. We did this the whole service. I'm cool. Those who wait upon the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord. Wait. Lord, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting upon you, Lord. I'm just waiting upon you. Even for those who are watching by the internet, listening by podcast, just wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. He says, I will renew your strength. Take a deep breath in. Blow it out. Take a deep breath in. Blow it out. What are you doing? You're taking, breathing in him and releasing all that other toxic. Breathing in him and releasing all that other toxic. Bringing in his joy, releasing all that stress. Bringing in his peace, releasing all that chaos. He's a good, 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 good father. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated in his presence, but don't disconnect. Glory to God. He's here. He's in this place. He's in this place, and he came here just for you. He came here just for you. He's a good, good, good father. God's not an absentee father like some people will try to convince you that he is. God's a good, 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 good father. And see, and, and the reason why people have such a negative connotation of who God is, is because society has, has had a propaganda campaign going on to demasculatize men to look, make them look small or of no value in their sight. Why? That's the Babylonian system. Why? If you have a bad father, or a father who was there but wasn't there, because he was too busy working. And then when you say God is your father, and your first remembrance is of your father, you're like, I'm good on that. I, I, I don't want no father, because if he's anything like my father, oh, he, he horrible. His by design. Did you hear me? It's by design. Because if I can get you to have a negative connotation towards fathers, then you'll be out of, you'll get out of order because God told the father, you're the one supposed to raise up the children in the way that they should go. Train them up all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way in the New Testament. 
Same thing. Men, train up your teach. Don't uh, raise your children in love and admonition of the Lord. Don't drive them to wrath. What do wives do and mothers do? They come along and nurture whatever is being taught, as long as it's being taught according to the word. That's God's plan. Man's plan is that, man, you just go work and, and you ain't got to be a part of it. Mama, you do it all. She wasn't equipped to do that. Didn't say she can't. God didn't equip her to do that. Why? Too much weight. And then they die, they die off early because all the stress and pressures. So I took the man out, I killed the woman. Guess what I did? I just foiled God's plan. You wanna know why? You say, how, how, how you know that? You remember when Adam and Eve was in the garden? Adam yielded to his wife Eve before God. They switched places. Adam was supposed to leave, but he, he let her lead him in the wrong direction. And then God came to him like, Adam, what do you do? And God, Adam's first thing was this woman. And then the woman said, that snake. And then what happened? Abraham did the exact same thing. He yielded to the, because the woman has, has persuasion. But that persuasion used the wrong way can cause, it can cause success or it can cause destruction. Women have power. It's called the power of persuasion. But let me tell you, if you use it the wrong way, you got to give it account for that. Wow. Somebody needs to understand this because this is what's going on in your society today. You see it on TV, you see it in the media. And it's more and more and more to the point it gets out of balance. <clears throat> and once it gets out of balance, guess what happens? Confusion and chaos. So men and women are going like this against one another, which is causing division. And what happens when division happens? Nothing good ever comes out of it. Because men can't do it without the women. Women can't do it without the men. I don't care what they tell you in society. It, 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 it can't happen. You want, I can prove it to you right now. If I take that plug, that male plug, out of that female socket, guess what I'm not going to have? Power. Yep. Okay. All right. He says, you gotta have balance. You gotta have balance. I said, you gotta have balance. I didn't say it, God said, you gotta have balance. Cause then you got it on the other side. Men can try to minimize woman that woman, you, I'm the man of this house and you just under my foot. It don't work that way either. Cause you still out of balance. Like this. That's why it says submit one to another. I submit to my wife. 
My wife submits to me. We submit to one another. Do we all, submission does not mean we always agree. When you, if you really wanna know if you submit, find out something that, see if you're in agreement, you ain't submitting because y'all both agree. Real submission is you don't agree at all, but you submit anyway. Prime example, if Jua says, hey, after she's been working during the day and, she, and I've been doing my thing and she says, hey, I wanna go to Costco. Woman, we've been working all day. Why do you wanna go to Costco? I wanna go out the house. I gotta get under, I gotta submit to her mission because I really don't wanna go to Costco at that particular time. But I go with her anyway. Why? Because I know there's gonna be another time I'm gonna wanna do something and she may not wanna do it. But I've already sowed seeds of submission into her mission. It makes it easier for her to sow the seeds of my mission. Y'all see what I'm saying? Without Sister Juin, it don't make no difference what I do. I can lose it all and keep her, I'm still good. But I can have it all, lose her, none of the rest of it even matters. It's that simple. That's my word. Her with me, it don't matter what else is going on. Everything else without her, it don't, the rest of it don't matter. That's, that's, I'm thankful. So. Everything else without God doesn't matter. God, without everything else, I still come out on top. You still come out on top. Everything in this world system can burn up today, but you still got God, you can get it all back. You depend on the world and you ignore God when everything in the world burns up and you ain't God, you, have, you are most miserable and you have nothing. Amen? Amen. I didn't always look at it like that. <clears throat> I didn't always look at it like that. And I'm quite sure a lot of you didn't always look at it like that. So don't look at me with your religious, judgmental, self-righteous eyes. Cause you don't, we all. Tell you, I could, we could shut it all down today and still got her. I'm still on top. Now y'all probably have to get a trailer to get her head back to the house. <laughs> Praise God. All right, are you ready for the word? All that's been the word today. The, the thing about it, the thing about it is this, your first ministry, if you're married, is your spouse. It doesn't matter what else you do outside the house. Your first ministry is your spouse. If you, and this is something that most leaders and pastors are guilty of, and people in ministry period, you put the ministry before your spouse. 
And now they're competing with, with your ministry or whatever else you're doing in front of them. And guess what? It causes confusion. But then when you put them before the ministry stuff, yeah, you might have to slow down a little bit. You got to build up some credit. You got to make some deposits into the love bank. But then when you start doing ministry together, it changes everything. When you start doing life together, it changes everything. Sister Jew and I can be on our way here on a Sunday morning. And if there is not, if it ain't right, we got to pull the car. We got to get this thing tight. But if she she, she ain't cool, guess what? <laughs> I'll see y'all online. Spouse has to be the first ministry. After God, of course. And I've been at it. I've done both. I've had her at the front and I had her at the second third she would say i don't know fourth tier or something like that because i'm i'm my i'm running with my hair on fire and she and she's trying to run with me but she can't equip to run like i can run and then what you got to do dial it back so we run the race together i don't always get it right she don't always get it right. We don't always get it right. But when you don't get it right, first thing you do is, I'm, I missed it. I blew it big time. Sorry. Men don't think like women. So if y'all expect us to respond like y'all, you already setting yourself up for failure. We don't respond that way. Y'all all emotional. We looking at you like, what's wrong with you? You asked me what you look like in the dress. I told you. I mean, why you get upset with me? I, you asked me a question, I gave you an answer. But this is the thing. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how. I'm a, women, I'm going to give you all a nugget. <clears throat> and then we're going to jump right where I'm supposed to go today. A man can be tremendously successful outside of his house and come home to chaos Guess what he considers himself? A failure. But he can have all kind of H-E double hockey shit going on at his job and come home to you, his safe haven, his peace. Guess what he considers himself? A success and a blessed man. Why? Who made a difference? You did. You make the difference. Don't let nobody tell you you don't make the difference. And if, if people ain't for your marriage, stop talking to them about your marriage. I had somebody tell me that once. If somebody's not talking to you, supporting your marriage, stop talking to them about your marriage. You want to know why? Because your stuff's going to blow up. We got a family member. We just had the same conversation with about last night. There were some issues. He came clean about all the issues and told why all the issues. 
And when he told why the issues, we were like, what the world? And we thought all this time you were just crazy. But then his wife, she's trying to set the dude up to fail. And her, she can't hear anything else but that. Set him up for failure. No matter what you say to her. And she got a friend. <laughs> we ain't even making this tough. She got a friend who had a toxic situation who's pouring into her situation. And guess what's happening? She's following after her same example. And she'll get her same result. And then she'll say it was to do. Oh, boo boo, he came to you, told you what's up. Men do crazy stuff. I'm a man, I know. Men can do some stupid stuff, but so can we. We all can. If Julian messes up, would do something, I could be so mad. I'd be, ooh, if I, if I wasn't saved, I'd be drinking. But healing is the process. It don't happen overnight. And when I counsel people, I counsel my bestest, bestest friend next to my wife. I counsel him and his wife. And I ask her this one question. If he never changes from the stuff he's doing today, could you live with it for the rest of your life? Well, <laughs> if he never changes, you see all these socks and underwears all over the house, his toenail shavings in the, in the sink and all that, and do all these crazy stuff, and he's doing that today, in the situations and circumstances going on in his life today, if he never changed anything he did from this day forward, could you live with that for the rest of your life? She said, I don't know. I said, then you, you, don't, you all don't need to get married because there's no guarantee it's ever going to change. But once you make the decision, that's why we do premarital counseling. Once you make the decision, I'm going to marry this guy. You knew what you was getting into. Now, if you need us to help you with some counseling, we will help you with it, but that's why we do premarital counseling. So you, get a, you can make a quality decision. Premarital counseling ain't sexy because you lay it out all on the table. You ain't gonna, <laughs> you know, you might be thinking about having sex once every seven days. He might th be thinking about having sex once every day. If y'all on different paths, y'all need to talk about it. Why are we having a marriage counseling? What the world? But that's what's going on in the world today. Marriage, even through this pandemic, more marriages have, have blown up because they're finding out things that they knew, but hey, I got eight hours away from you. You got eight hours away from me. We got eight hours away from our children, but now we all in the same house. Now we got to look at each other. None I can't get away from you. None all that stuff that irritated me a little bit when I used to come home to you, now it's irritating the bejeebas out of me because I'm with you all the time. 
I didn't, I didn't just be at 100. Before June and I ever got together, I talked to my former pastor because him and his wife was together all the time. I asked him, man, how y'all do it? Because I mean, got out. I mean, y'all work together all the time. Y'all in the house together. Y'all work in ministry together. And y'all always together. I didn't think I could naturally be next to somebody all the time. Hell, I don't need, sometimes if I could leave me, I would leave myself. Glory to God. Getting on my last good. Ooh. But then when Sister Juan and I got together, we found ourselves with each other all the time. Other than when she was at work and I was doing ministry, we was always together. So when we came into the house, it wasn't that big of a change for us. But she has an office on one end of the house. I have an office on the other end of the house. And guess what time we meet? Lunchtime in passing. Hey, uh, uh, go, go. And at night after she's all work and we playing with the dog. She hears me playing with the dog, but. But that's why we do premarital counseling. So you know what you're getting into. And that's why we do counseling once you get married so you can know what you into. And if your marriage don't work, we will counsel you even after that too. If somebody gets a divorce, we don't throw rocks at you, you heathen. You <laughs> That's between you and God. Right? It's between you and God. We don't look at you no different. We don't be like, mm, mm, supposed to be so saved too. Mm, mm. I know people who've been divorced. So what? God don't, oh, that's good Holy Spirit. God don't look at you like that either. Can I help you? God ain't looking at you like, I can't believe you. I can't use you no more. God don't look at you like that. We don't look at you like that. I don't care how many times you've been divorced. You've been divorced five times. Well, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. You might want to come see us. There might be some issues going on. <laughs> That you, you need to work out because the only common factor, what's the common factor in all that? They was all crazy. Yeah, because all five of them married your crazy behind. So come see us and let us help you. But marriages are on attack. If you thought marriages were on attack before all this jumped off, they really on attack now. If you thought children were on attack before all this stuff jumped off, it's happening even more so now. So what is our responsibility to minister to them? Not just Sister Joy and myself, to minister to them. Hope. In the name of Jesus. Okay. Well, you can send all those tech, those donations and everything for this Marriage Council 101. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, we talk to people about marriage before they get married. We talk to, we minister to people while they're going through their marriage. We minister to people even after their marriage is over. Why? Because they're still in the body of Christ. Anybody here know somebody who's been divorced? I do. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> if you've been divorced before, we didn't have a sign outside. 
divorce. Oh no, you can we don't none of that. You had children before you got married? Oh no, we we, we just ain't that kind of church. The church itself is God, Jesus is not set up that way. All right. Wow. I know that someone needed to hear that this morning because the father said, I need you to go this way. If it didn't bless anybody else, it blessed me. I got some serious deposits in the love bank. Make me some withdrawals too from that love bank. Just kidding, just kidding. All right, let me get back in the spirit. I'll jump in the flesh for just a second. Hallelujah. Marriage is not easy. It's a big, I'm gonna give you a big word. I'm gonna give you a big word. It's W-O-R-K. It's work. You gotta work it every day. You gotta work it even after you get off work and you you so sleepy that you, I mean, you know, your eyes is crossed and everything. You can't even eat. You drink is, you, you, is work. And people said marriage don't work. Marriage stops working the moment you stop working it. And one person can't work and the other person not working. Is work, but it's worth it. They, you, yes, sir. He says you all like sandpaper with one another. You're smoothing off some of those rough edges, and he's smoothing off some of your rough edges, and together y'all both will come out better. But yeah, all right. <clears throat> Here we go. Y'all ready? Here we go. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Sister Joanne, we're going to tell God to this. All right. Here we go. We're going to make this declaration. We're going to jump right in for the time that we have. And yeah, yep, 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 yep. It's worth it. It's worth it. All the, I found that all the trials and tribulations and tests and disappointments and setbacks and crazy stuff, I'm seeing God use those very same things to minister to people now. Amen. To heal them, not to fuel their crazy. If I already know you crazy, if, if I already know Doug is off, off the reservation, he's crazy as a loon, I'm not going to tell him, yeah, man, and when I was in that situation, I did this too. And now we got two crazy ones. I just added to his level of crazy. Now he really don't think what he's doing is right. And he's wrong in two left shoes. So my responsibility is be like a cold glass of a big bucket of gas. You better stop acting crazy. Because this is what the word says. And I know because this, when I was in that situation, this is what the Lord said to me concerning it. Can you see that? All right. Okay. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to, because the Lord had anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent us a brain, bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captive to open in the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord is day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. 
to appoint unto them at morning Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that he might be called, that they might be called, and he might be called. He might be called, they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. So, Father, right now we give you glory, honor, and praise, and we thank you for this opportunity in your word. You think, we thank you that our preaching and teaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. Holy Spirit, thank you for everything that you've demonstrated to us. Thank you for all the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Thank you for all that you've said, and thank you for showing us how to do maintenance on ourselves and maintenance on our marriages and maintenance on our relationships and maintenance before the marriage and maintenance during the marriage and maintenance after the marriage. We thank you for restoration, healing, deliverance, wholeness we give you glory we give you honor we give you praise in jesus name amen god loves you there's nothing you can do to make god stop loving you nothing he may not always agree but he doesn't stop loving you Somebody needed to know. He said, somebody needed to hear that this morning, that I still love you. And what I began in you, I will complete it. He says, in your word for the day concerning that, whether I'm going to finish what I started with you, it's Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Write it down. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. What he promised you, he says, I'm going to fulfill it. Now we're going to lift up All Saints Anglican Church that's right over here in Greeley. So pray with me, pray in the spirit as I pray in English. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, we lift up All Saints Anglican Church here in Greeley right now. And Pastor Joan, Father God, in their congregation right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, we pray in accordance to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Father God, that you will give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may come to know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and you sat him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name in his name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And Father, in accordance to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, we believe, Father God, we bow our knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you would grant unto uh, all saints, Anglican church, Father God, that you will grant unto them according to your riches and glory to be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that they being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes all understanding, Father God, and that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in them. Father God, we pray that every need is met with an abundance beside. We call in Father God, members and laborers from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that your purposes, plans, and pursuits for all saints and Anglican church will be fulfilled, Father God, in this land, and that your kingdom will be expanded. We give you glory, honor, and praise for it, and Jesus, yes, Lord, and that by Jesus' stripes, they are healed physically, emotionally, Father God, relationally, 
heal them and make them whole. We decree and declare it to be so now in Jesus' name. Amen and glory to God. Amen and glory to God. You always want to pray for your fellow laborers in the land where you're in. Why? Because it's going to take all of us to carry out God's assignment. It's going to take all of us to, to carry out God's assignment. And also, the other thing about it is, is that you're going to have to, um, okay, I'm frozen. You're going to have to um, be able to carry it out. And you also want to pray that people, that people will get back into the place to which God called them to be. To get back to the vision to which God called them to be. All right. I have 20 minutes. Are y'all ready? And he's going to run Praise the Lord. All right, I just had to get it out. I just had to get it. I'm back in the game now. I'm back in the game. Oh, okay, here we go. I'm ready. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Now, what you've seen at the very beginning is what God calls allowing him to move. And see, sometimes what we, what's happening is we have reduced God's movement to, you know, spectacular in the name of Jesus. And God says, sometimes my move is just to give you one word. You've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been wailing, you've been crying. Yeah, I don't know what you got. I don't know. And God's like, shh, shh, shh. And you're like, ah, Lord, I can't. I can't hear God. God said, you can't hear me because you won't stop talking. So what did he start us off doing? Just wait. We just, he says, I just demonstrated to you what waiting on me will do. Remember when we start first start waiting and I just stood here and just waited and waited and then you start hearing me praying in the spirit and waiting and praying in the spirit and then we start giving interpretation and then he said now go this way. That was the result of us all waiting. And then he began to give you give us all the word that we needed to hear for that, that time. My wife needed to hear me say, you come before ministry. Even though I've said it, and, and there's times I've, I've missed it, but it's just a real, I didn't have any plans to say that to her from here today, but God said, say this, demonstrate this, this is where it is. Now, who did it minister to? Her. Who needed to hear it? She did. Who else needed to hear it? Other couples. What did they do? Baby, you come before. And they start reading, baby, you, you come before a minute. You do. Okay. <laughs> I see you at the house. It also talked about how we interact with one another. Before we get married, doing a marriage, after the marriage. What, is, what, what was we doing? on God. 
Do y'all see that? That's what it's like to wait on God. You don't talk, you just wait on him. And then he just, he, 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 he just begins to do what he had me do. Share with you what you need to hear. Did anybody else need to hear that this morning? To be reassured, God ain't forgot about you. All right, y'all ready? Today, today, if I had to give today's sermonette a title, this is the title I would give it. <laughs> we locked and loaded. The sermon for today, the message, the title of the message today is locked and loaded, but I gotta give you this word of the Lord. He says this, he says, you don't become like the world to reach the world. They've already seen that show before and found it doesn't work. So you have to present a solution that gets real results. And that's only found in my kingdom. My kingdom way of doing things always produces results. God's kingdom ways of doing things always produces results for those who will not waver back and forth between God's way and the world's way. So if you want true God results, don't waver between doing it the world's way one day, doing it God's way the next. He says, the only way you're gonna get my results is to do it my way. Again, he says, my way always causes you to triumph. But the world's way has no guarantee because there's nothing back in it. Did y'all hear that? The world's way has no guarantees because there's nothing back in it. But God says, he says, but my way has all of heaven back in it and it shall surely come to pass, says the Lord thy God. You are my agents of change. But in order to be able to impact the world around you, it starts in you first. For you can't give what you don't have yourself. So I'm arming you with my word, with my spirit, with my grace and my anointing to go in and possess the land that I've given into your hands, says the spirit of grace. He says, I'm arming you. When he's talking about ages of change, he's not just talking about us, he's talking about all y'all. But the only way you're gonna do it, he says it starts with you. People talk about, I want revival. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for revival. And God says, okay, let me start with you. Now, Lord, start with the world. When I see revival in the world, I know revivals happen. God says, no, when I start seeing revival in you and I start seeing revival in my church and I start, then you will start seeing revival in your nation. You got it backwards. Glory to God. What you say, Rita? Say it one more time. All right, I'll say it just for you. You said, I want to see revival. God says, let me start with revival in you, then I'll start doing revival in my church, and then you'll see revival in your nation. 
The reason he says this, <laughs> the reason why you haven't seen as much revival in the nation is because there's been very little revival in the church and there's been almost a no revival in you. You know what revival means? To restore back to light something that was dead. Glory to God. What'd you say, Jerry? You want to hear that? Okay. What does revival mean? Revival means restoring back to life something that was dead. Glory to God. What'd you say? He says, restoring back to life something that was dead. At one point in time, what do you think salvation is all about? He's restoring back to life something that was dead. Hallelujah. You're, he's restoring back to life something that was dead. You was dead in your sins and trespasses, but God so loved the world. He sent his son, Jesus, that if you would accept Jesus into your life, believe what it is he did for you. He says, then you would have everlasting life or the God kind of life. What did he do? Clear. He hit you with the paddles and he restored your life. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says this. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new Creature, what happened? You were restored. You were revived. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All that dead stuff has passed away. Guess what? Everything became brand new. Everything became brand new. Everything. Not that one little spot that you still got on your pinky toe. Did you? Everything in your spirit, man, became brand new. In fact, if you go back to God, talk to God about that other stuff that you did before you gave your life, he will talk. I have no idea what you're talking about. Why? Because it's under the blood. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus came into the world that through him, the world might be saved, healed, delivered whole, protected, and made whole. What happened? Revival hit. Guess what he's still talking about doing in the body of Christ today? I need you to awake out of your sleep and out of your slumber. Why? Because revival has already started. And what he's still, most people say, oh, I haven't seen revival. He says, if you, he says, cause you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking out here. He says, but you should be looking in here. Revival always starts in you first. Revival always starts in the church. I'm not talking about going to having a church revival. I mean, I went to enough Baptist church revivals and everything. I mean, I have enough oil on me. I should be walking around like a piece of fried, like a piece of fried chicken as much oil has been poured on me. It has not the revival he's talking about. He's talking about reviving those dreams and reviving those visions and, and and laying aside all that dead stuff and all that weight and all those things that have been burning you down. He says, I called you to a place so I can restore your soul. When you begin to get in the word of God, what does the word of God do? It restores your mind, your will, and your emotions to the way it is that God prepared it before life happened to it. Revival's already started. He started, he been started, he started it with you. He started it with me. I can tell you, Juwin can tell you, I'm not the same guy I was a year ago. I don't do the same things I used to do two years ago. 
Guess what? Revival's already started. Turn your name and say, Revival's already started. Because revival started with you. He says, Revival has already started because revival began in you. And if you want to see even more revival happen in your local church, then allow him to continue to do revival in you. Because guess what's going to happen? When you awaken out of your sleep and out of your slumber, when you step up to what it is you know God has called you to do, when you begin to operate, operating according to the kingdom of God and stop being wishy-washy up one day and down the next, like a, we call it yo-yo. You up one day and down the next day and up one day and down the next. When you begin steadfast, unmovable, unchangeable, say, guess what? Lord, whatever you need to do in me, I'll release you to do it. Whatever you need to do in me, I'll release you to do it. And you mean it for real, for real? He will change your life. He will change your life. Revival's already started. You are not waiting on God. God told me to tell you, he waiting on you because it's already started. And if you have not seen as much change in your life as you want to see, don't look at God. I said, don't look at God, look at you. Cause God won't do anything apart. He won't, God's not gonna go against your will. God's not gonna stick you up like a bank robber. Like, mm -mm -mm, you better let me do, God don't work that way. He will honor your decision, even if your decision goes totally contrary to his. Revival's already started. God is doing revival in his church, too, and in, in his local church. You know what this has been? This has been for the church, or should have been for the church last year? A reset. Programs don't build churches. Buildings, fancy fog machines, don't build churches. What builds churches is teaching the unadulterated word of God from a pure heart and a pure conscience towards God. God looks at building church, yes sir, he says, I build churches through my word and my definition of growth is not the same as your definition of growth. I look at growth as far as maturity. The world looks at growth based off of numbers. My computer was, did, did y'all hear that part? God looks at growth based off of maturity. God, the world looks at based off of growth based off of numbers. You can have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people sitting in chairs, but it doesn't mean that anybody's growing at all. I know. But revival starts in you first. And I'm, for the sake of time, y'all not going to get, um, 
y'all not going to get the lock and loaded. Y'all going to get revival. It's already started, which I've already got the first beginning of it. Revival has already started and revival starts in you first. Then it starts and it works its way into the church because guess what? Guess who makes up the church? I used to believe when I was a Baptist, when I was in a Baptist church, Sandy, when I was in the Baptist church, when they said he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, I'm like, well, what church is that going to be? I'm like, what building? I mean, is it is our church? Is it the church down the street? I mean, I did not realize that when he talks about the church, people are, are the church. Amen. We make up the body of Christ. So if you want to see revival in the church, again, revival starts with you. Guess what else happens? Everything that we, we prophesied this word early this year, during this year, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a shaking. There's going to be a displacement. And then there's going to be an outpour. Guess what happened? He, he says, I've been shaking everything that can be shaken from your life. Anything I did not add to your life is being, it's rattling. You being rattled to shake all that stuff off. Anybody ever watched that, that Yukon Gold show uh, on uh, the History Channel? And you ever notice that they always shaking the, all that dirt through that little shifter? And only thing to last is the pure gold. Don't judge me because y'all ain't seen it. And God says, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I've been shaking, shaking, shaking anything that can be shaken until I get down to the pure gold. And the pureness is, is from him. So y'all see that? You said, prove to me that he always starts with the church first. It's, well, Betty, he's going to start with me. Everybody wants to see revival, but most people don't want it to start with them. They wanted it to start with, start with, start with Doug. I mean, he got some stuff, Lord. Then you come get me, Lord, because you, you're going to be with uh, Natasha. You're going to be with her for a long time, Lord Jesus. God says, no, I'm going to be with you because your self-righteousness shows that there is no, you're not allowing me to do a revival in you. I don't look at it. I don't look down on people. The only way you look down on a person if you're gonna help help them get up. We don't throw rocks at people because we live in a glass house. I don't say you 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 because I got three fingers pointing back at me 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 me. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus is my example. He told them. The answer, he didn't focus on, this, on the problem. What do you say? Show it to you, Joan. Okay, I'm getting it there. I know I only got like a couple minutes because she's giving me the look. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 18 says this. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there... I will cause thee to hear my words. Where are you at today? The depot's house. You know what else you're at? The potter's house. You arose and went down to the depot. 
Because when you arose and went down to the depot, you was expecting to hear a word from the Lord. And this is what he said. Then I went down into the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that was made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he threw it away. He got rid of it. Said, I can't use you no more. You don't make too many mistakes. You don't bend this and you don't do this. And you don't. No, that's not, that's not what the potters did. What did the potter do? Hallelujah. So the potter, when he realized the clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so the potter made it again. The potter restored the potter revived that which seemed to be dead. And he made it again, another vessel. It was one vessel before, it was marred in his hand, so the potter made, took the same clay and made another vessel. God says, will you allow me to do that with you today? He goes on to say this, as, as it's, and when he made another vessel, how did he make the vessel? Based off of what the clay needed? Nope. He says, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, came to you, came to me. And this is the question the father had said to ask. Can I, I do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hands. So the father said, I heard that this morning when I was getting dressed and I'm like, okay, well, okay, I'll just, okay. I'll just put it in, the, in my repertoire and see if, okay, where that fits. But he says, everything I've said to you today about waiting upon me, everything that I've been talking to you about revival brings you to this point of decision. I brought you down to the potter's house. I've opened up the, I've opened up the hands and I'm telling you, you have been marred, but I'm the potter and I'm not trying to get rid of you. I would like for you to allow me to make you another vessel that seems right to me, not based off of you. Because I already know what you're going to need. And I already know what you don't need. And I'm shaking all that stuff that you've been trying to hold on to that's keeping you from being the vessel of honor I called you to be. Will you allow me to do that with you? And that's the question. Revival started. And God says, even if you hadn't allowed me to, to do revival on you before, you're at the potter's house right now. And the potter's asking, can I not make you into another vessel? Will you not allow me to make the changes in you? That seems right in my eyes, God said, not yours. Oh, and he says, it's not based on anybody 
who is or who isn't around you. The revival with God that's going on in, in, in his people and within the, and then the church is personal. And it requires intimacy, which means God into me, see. Into me, see. So, every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody walking or talking except you've been so assigned. Potter's here today. And he says, I want to make the exchange with you. I want to make the exchange with you. Your life has seemed marred. It, seemed, it, did, it has not turned out the way that you thought it was going to turn out. You believe it was going to turn. You just knew you had your plan. You just knew you had your way. God says, will you make the exchange with me and exchange your plan for my plan? Exchange your way for my way? Will you make the exchange? Will you allow the parter to make you into a new vessel today? It's a simple decision. Can we all go make that decision today? And repeat this after me, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I make the decision to turn from my way and yield to yours. I turn from my plan and surrender to yours. You are the potter. I am the clay. Make me anew today. Whatever you need to do. I'll release you to do it. Whatever shaking it needs to happen, I release you to do it. Because I trust you with all of my heart, with my entire life. I hold nothing from you. Into me, see, Lord, and allow me to see into you. Make me into the vessel of honor you called me to be. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you ain't never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord today, man, this is going to be the simplest thing you've ever done. Just simply repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carry my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive it right now. I'm more, I have Christ, the hope of glory, on the inside of me. I receive it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we'd like to welcome you, congratulate you. Welcome back into the right position, back into the kingdom of God. And the next thing we invite you to do is connect with a, with a body of Christ, of believers who will teach you about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and will teach you how to be a doer of the word and out here only. Ignite Depot is that place for you. If you don't have a local church or your church is a meeting right now, join us back here again next week. We'd love to have you. And hey, subscribe to the YouTube channel 
And, and hey, you can follow us as we post videos and Ignite Your Life podcast throughout the week and everything just to keep that fire stirred up. Now, on behalf of Sister Joanne and myself and the entire Ignite Depot family, we want to thank you for joining us today. Remember, he is the potter, you are the clay. He's making and molding you into a new vessel of honor. Allow him to do the work in you. We believe God has a has life and a purpose for you, and we are representing God and uniting life and purpose within our generation. Have a blessed day.